Welcome to Birth Mystics with your hosts, Katie and Stephanie. This fairy tale is told differently um, in different places. I am not as big of a fan of the mainstream ones, so you get to hear my version. And this is called The Princess and the Pea. So once upon a time, there was a prince, and he really wanted a princess. He wanted to get married. So he starts this quest to find a real princess. And he goes searching or far and wide, but he always found something wrong with the princess. She just wasn't quite what he imagined to be, this ideal princess. So he comes home from his adventures, and he's just really sad and wondering if he's ever going to find her, the, the princess he knows exists or wants to have. Um, it's winter time and he is in his castle done with his travels and there's a knock at the door and um, he opens the door and the middle of this blizzard a woman comes inside and she looks very disheveled of course because she was out in a blizzard and um, claims to be a princess but of course him and his parents do not believe her because she does not look like a princess. So um, the queen comes up with this brilliant plan. She decides she's going to stack a bunch of mattresses on top of one another and place a pea underneath one of the, between the two bottom mattresses and decides that this is a wonderful test to tell whether it's a real princess or not, if she has the caliber of human that is needed to marry her son. So the princess goes to sleep and in the morning she wakes up and comes out and they all anxiously say, how did you sleep? She goes, oh, whoa, it was so terrible. I was so lumpy and I just feel awful. Look, I even have a bruise. And the king and the queen and the prince rejoice because they know that they found her. They found a real princess. And they get married and they live happily ever after. So this story to me is a really interesting one. Because the moral is supposed to be you can't judge a book by its cover. But for me, it speaks a lot more to our expectations of an ideal woman and what that means. So when I look at it, I always think, okay, what are some of the P's in my life? What are some of the things that people like bars and standards people are judging me by? Where if you take a step backwards are actually just dumb. Like having a, how does that have anything to do with your character? If you sleep in a bed with a P and it gives you a bruise. Right. But somehow that's like the queen's awesome test that's going to tell whether it's an ideal princess, the real princess or not. And even more surprising is that she passed this crazy test, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like uh, none of the other, did he have every princess he went to sleep on a bed <laughs> with a pea or what, what was he judging when he traveled? And maybe that's a common uh, trend or motif in mythology is to have like an audition of sorts. I keep thinking of like the glass slipper and he mm -hmm. has to find the one that it fits and whatnot. Yep. And so for me, I've, I've kind of like taken apart as I've moved through birth work and in my own progression as a woman in this world, taking apart a lot of the fairy tales and the messages I absorbed as a child. And one of the ones in this one is, um, they didn't believe she was a princess because she looked disheveled. Mm. Um, so there's one message, right? That like, you cannot be a worthy princess or worthy of love if you are not put together and beautiful all the time. And I see this manifest in birth and in birth prep in a lot of different ways. An example of this will be when you get pregnant, a lot of women struggle with their changing body. Um, for a lot of women, that's the idea of being fat is something that has been set up as just like this. I don't want to be that. That's not attractive. That's not good. 
Um, no one will love me. Like that's an underlying message in our society and which is really, really sad. Um, but a lot of women, even though their curves are like very fertile and in some cultures are just revered are somehow in this mindset that I am not good enough, or this makes me less lovable because I'm putting on this weight because I'm changing shape. Um, it opens up so much body shame for so many. Yes. Yeah. And um, during birth, this manifests even more because during birth, we've talked about it before, like you're called to, to embody the wild woman. You're called to embody pretty much the opposite of everything our society preaches as a good woman. Um, a good woman is like quiet and convenient. A good woman is um, timid and agreeable, soft, put together. Pretty. Pretty. Oh, so pretty. A big one. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Ooh, accommodating. Yes. <laughs> There's so many of these things that we're kind of taught is this ideal of what a woman should aspire to be, where in birth, all of those things will often delay what's going on, make you more uncomfortable, or, um, or just cause you to feel like you had a bad birth. Because you had to reach into the wild to, to bring your baby into the world and reach into a side of you that you've been denied and denying and taught is not good for your whole life. So I think a lot of women have what they perceive to be a bad birth because they had to be what they perceive as a bad girl or a bad woman. So I see this manifest in a lot of ways. One, you're welcome to jump in if you have any kind of um, examples come up. Um, this manifests as people-pleasing in a lot of ways during birth. And this is one of the funniest things to me is I remember this one birth I was at where I was doing counter pressure in a way that was very inconvenient for me. Like <laughs> it was very strenuous. I had to put a lot of pressure on her and it was a weird angle. And I remember asking, Hey, is this helpful? And she's like, Oh, it's fine. Hmm. I was like, say what? Like, <laughs> I don't want to be using this energy <laughs> and putting myself out so hard on something that's fine. And you think you're people pleasing me right. by not criticizing my counter pressure. <laughs> like you're like, I want a solid. Yes, this is amazing. Or I am not going to like contort myself anymore for this fine counter pressure. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like, why in your brain? Like I literally am here to make this better for you. Hmm. I don't want to spend an iota of energy on something that's not helpful. It's a waste of my energy. But somehow you, in, in our minds, she thought that was being rude wow. or inconvenient to me somehow that's by telling so me. Yeah. Yeah. When really it would have been a win-win for her to say, you know, I'm good right now. Thanks. Take a break. Yeah. Because then she... Because she probably did want that, you know, if, mm -hmm. if the counter pressure like, was fine. only so-so. Yeah. <laughs> she probably was like, I'm actually doing fine on my own. Mm -hmm. But she couldn't find the words to say that because that means she's needy. That means she's not being accommodating. That means she's confronting somebody. And that's also a big part of what we're taught as women, I think, mm -hmm. is to not confront the issues. To be a peacemaker. Be the peace peacemaker. Yeah. Yeah. I was really interesting for me. So since that experience, I literally have this little spiel I do with every single client where I talk about, I give you a get out of jail free card during <laughs> your birth that you can do and say and be anything you want. Mm. And I also would love to tell you right now that I do not want you to people please me for literally one second. I don't want you to think about my feelings or my inconvenience or anything about that. I want you to say what you need. 
and I will fit into that space. Wow. Because a lot of people kind of need that permission. Like, I want you to stand up for yourself to me, and I accept it, and I will never be mad. I will be so glad. Like, I can't even explain how excited I get when someone who I know struggles with people-pleasing stands up for themselves in labor. How even, excited even that Even if it's me. against you or toward you, right? If yes. they're like, yeah, don't touch me right now. And you're like, woohoo, you're amazing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they'll apologize later. That's another thing yeah. is the apologizing. I've had women apologize for so many things in labor. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry I'm loud. I pooped in front of you. I know it stinks. I'm sorry I told you not to touch me. I'm sorry that those weird sounds came out of me, right? Like, yeah. are these some good examples? Yes, they're great examples. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I was snappy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that I just was, like, not put together during that whole birth. Yeah. <laughs> no, pretty much that's the apology. I'm sorry yeah. I took up any sort of space. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I'll just be like, I try and tell people, like, you do not, like, I love talking about the get out of jail free card, where it's like, you, there is no behavior that will send you to bad person, like, bad woman jail. There, you are allowed to do anything. So like, great. I've had all the things. I've had women cuss me out. Mm-hmm. I've had women yell at me. I've had women bark. I've had women scream. I've had women moo. I've had women do the nuttiest things while getting their babies out. And it's cool to me. Like, I'm the kind of, I'm like, I literally love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love when women are able to fully be those things with no self-consciousness. There's something beautiful and powerful about it because I know what kind of things they've had to go through to get to that space where they're able to accept themselves and do those things. And for a lot of people, it's very foreign. 100%. That's a really hard thing to be and embody. And, um, I do have an example actually. Yes, please. May I? Yeah. Yeah. I recently supported a client who, um, in my opinion, had one of the most beautiful births. Like it was swift and, and powerful and kind of short. Um, I got there about 45 minutes before her baby was born. Uh But what was interesting is I I was actually the first one on her birth team to arrive. And I knew that we were still anticipating her midwife team Mm -hmm. and her birth photographer. And, you know, 20 minutes into this, we start thinking she like, this can't be early labor because she was convinced it was. At that point, she'd had no cervical checks or anything, right? So I'm going slowly off of the signs that I'm picking up on and the things that she's communicating to me. I, I We're kind of guessing. We're not entirely sure where she's at. <laughs> um, then at some point, she is roaring through these contractions, right? Literally some of the best roaring I've ever heard. Mm. Like, it was really cool. That's awesome. Like you described. Like, it's amazing to, to watch and be in the space to see sounds come out of someone that even they are surprised by that even they're like where is this coming from right but what was interesting is that followed by each roar there would be maybe a level of shame maybe a level of confusion a level of like what is happening and so she was kind of verbally processing after each contraction of like I don't even know where that's coming from like what's wrong with me is is everything okay and and I'm like, well, I think you're in pretty advanced labor, my friend. Like you're doing everything beautifully. And I didn't, I don't want to get her hopes up because again, she hadn't had a cervical check, but I was like, this is by all accounts looking like you're pretty, you know, into things. Um, at that point, her midwife came and they did a cervical check. She's like complete. Wow. You know, she's like ready to push her baby out. 
And she actually was hesitating about whether or not to call her um, birth photographer. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Why? why? Like, why would we not call her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she says, I don't know if I want to see this. I didn't know I was going to turn into a lion. I, 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 I'm not sure I want anyone to record that or for me to ever see it again. Mm. And so literally a minute later, her baby was born, right? And wow. so it wasn't until postpartum and, and actually weeks later, you know, that I was able to just talk to her and say, curious how you feel now. Like, do you have regrets that not all of it was captured on film or do you feel really glad that it wasn't? And she says, I'm actually of two minds. Mm. There are days that I think it would be cool to have that footage, but then there are other times that I'm glad that it was just this quiet moment that only a few people saw and I don't have to revisit it because it was definitely bigger than I ever thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I want to revisit it. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that that was a really beautiful answer, a really honest answer Um, And I think we can learn a lot from that, especially for you and I, Katie, and how we maybe approach educating our clients and how we show up as doulas is to normalize that bigness Mm -hmm. and to normalize the roar. Because too often, I I think our clients are are becoming very caught off guard by their own bigness, Mm -hmm. right? Definitely. And that's like one of my beefs with some of the natural communities, like I feel like when I first got into it, there was a little bit of this undercurrent, whether intentional or unintentional, that if you educate yourself about birth, if you believe in birth enough, that you will have a peaceful birth, that -hmm. it'll be easy. I I like that you're bringing this up. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) And easy and fast and you'll be calm Mm -hmm. and you'll just breathe your baby down. Yeah. And I think that like while that is a possibility that saying claiming that any sort of preparation method will guarantee you anything in birth is like fundamentally wrong. Like for yeah. me there's something fundamentally wrong with claiming that you can guarantee anything Agreed. in birth. But especially to tell women that if they like I feel like for me that feeds this shame because it's like if you believe enough, if you've prepped enough, It'll be, the sensations won't, you won't feel them too much. It'll be easy. It'll be smooth. And you can just breathe your baby right now. Like as someone who always gets loud and always has to push, I've always had to, to grunt and, and get into it and hold my breath and squeeze something. And that pushing has always been very active for me. Um, and I think I've figured out a little bit for myself why, like dynamics of my own pelvis and, um, just through my life, um, just some of the things that have gone on, but it, felt very powerful. But I remember after my first, when I'd finished a birth course, feeling a little bit like, oh, I lost control at the end. Up until a certain point, I was following, I was calm and I was good and I was doing it right. And then I hit a point where I felt very animalistic and felt very out of control. And I think, and a little out of body that I kind of thought, oh, I didn't, I lost I lost wow. it at that point. Like that was where I, I had good prep. And if I'd just been able to stay with it, I think mm. I could have been more peaceful, right? Yeah. But looking back, it's like, no, like the power is part of the euphoria afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like how can you expect to have this huge euphoria without the intensity beforehand? Mm. Like there has to be buildup 
to like those euphoric pictures you see. I mm-hmm. wish I could ask them. I see so many pictures after birth with just this intense emotion. Yeah. I almost want to write each of them when I see their picture and ask, does this euphoria match your labor? Like, do you feel like there was that intensity, whether inside or outside, yeah. that it felt big and a lot and, mm-hmm. and animalistic and wild? Mm-hmm. Or did you have like that peaceful... Because I don't think there's always a mismatch, but I always think part of the reason I'm so proud of myself is because it was intense. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, I'd like it to be an easy experience that sounds nice, but if I want the full ride transformation, diving into everything I have to offer being in my body and in my sensation, then I have to be willing for that to be big and hard and mm. out of my comfort zone. And what if you could even reclaim the phrase, that's when I lost it? Because what if that was the whole point, Katie, was for you to lose control of your birth and actually let go? What if that was exactly where you needed to go as opposed to thinking, oh, I had it all figured out and then I derailed. What Mm -hmm. if it was more like, no, you switched tracks. You like moved up to like a new gear Mm -hmm. and then your body took over. And I, I think there's so much wisdom in reclaiming that phrase. That's when I lost it and I will celebrate you and be like, yes, isn't it so cool to lose control? Mm -hmm. That's when birth becomes transformative. Yep. No, I totally agree with you. And that's one of the reasons it's like, I just wish I could give anybody listening who's a pregnant person just all the permission to allow your experience to be what it is without judgment of yourself, without comparison game to other people's stories, because everything you're getting can teach you something. And everything that's happening is an invitation for you to move deeper into your own self, move deeper into your own experience, to get to know yourself better and to to level up. <laughs> like you say, I lost it. I think I lost it like upwards. Like I was like resisting the level up. And then Falling I was like, up. yeah, I fell yeah, up. I fell upward, yeah. <laughs> um, but afterwards it took me a while to kind of, and even becoming a doula to get in that mindset of like, yes, I felt powerful and confident. I was proud of myself. I'd done unmedicated, but I was always my little caveats of like, mm-hmm oh, I didn't quite follow uh, this method that I had yeah. learned because I, I stopped breathing as I was supposed to breathe. I didn't push the way they taught me to push. Yeah. Um, but looking back, like there was just so much, there's so much going on. So like yeah. I have this picture, they didn't take, I didn't document that birth at all, but there's this picture of me about five minutes postpartum um, where the last birth before I'd looked like a ghost, like a wreck. <laughs> but this one, I am just the most like red cheeked, <laughs> Like, there's just this, like, euphoric, <laughs> I can't even explain this look about me that I just love looking at that picture because it's yeah. like, I can still kind of see it, like that And feel that the, the residual yes. you know, afterglow of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely I had a lot of energy going on. Like, my hands were feeling, I told you this before, my hands felt really, like, tingly and I had some mm. numbness because there's so much energy going through me. And, yeah. and I allowed myself to be really wild when I pushed. And I think that you're right. There's, there's a reclamation that has to happen and that will come gradually. Like, it's not like you fall up and suddenly you've laid like somewhere, you've arrived or, somewhere yeah. or you've like let go of all of these messages that are so mm-hmm. deeply ingrained. I think we have to practice it over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Yeah. It's like the spiral you talked about earlier, like that spiral yeah. upwards and you have to have that patience to say, but every time there's a new awakening to something, um, a new level where you can say, oh, is this serving me? Like, is this belief I have or is this thing I want actually a thing I want? 
Or is this something I feel like, and that's the people pleasing again, right? Yeah. It's like, do I want a hospital birth? Or have I just heard that's the most safe from all these places? I have actually sat down with myself to ask myself where I want a birth. I have a lot of times people say I'm compromising, right? Like I'm compromising because like my partner does not feel okay without a hospital. It's like, well, yes. Like, but have you, has he come your direction? Has he informed himself? And just like, are you people pleasing to people please, even though you feel pretty strongly about it for like a good reason and it's your body and he feels strongly just out of what he's heard in society and his own fear. Like, does he even believe that? Or is it just him kind of bringing up what he's been taught? Has he honestly taken like a step backward and said, why do I feel that way? Mm -hmm. Why do I think she has to birth in a hospital? And if he's done some work and still feels really strongly, that's a different story. Yeah. But women will always be, and that the a lot of times we're the ones that are going to give, we're going to compromise. Mm. And that's where, and even these little things in pregnancy can be an opportunity to embody more of that wild woman, like that self-assured looking into yourself and, and they're discovering what you actually want. Like, what do I actually want? And learning to use your voice. Even if it's like you go to the doctor and they want to do this thing and you say, can I think about it? And then you go home and you write them an email to say, I'm not going to do this thing because the confrontation's too much, but okay. you still do it, right? Like it's, you figure out little ways, little steps, because during pregnancy, you're going to feel called to it. Your intuition, your body, are going to speak to you louder than they ever have before. It's, it's going to be a time where that's going to be heightened. You're going to feel this heightened need to follow what feels right for you. That's going to be more because you are carrying a baby, so you're doing it for two. And it's also not for yourself, right? I've told you this before. I always feel like I take better care of myself and my body when pregnant because the baby's there. And that gives me this huge motivation to take care of myself. And then the baby's out and I'm breastfeeding. That helps. But when I'm not any of those things, it was always like, oh, okay, I can go back to taking care of everybody else again. Um, that it's a time where we can kind of say, no, I matter. And what I think matters and to learn to, to find that voice is a very powerful thing to tell another story. Um, we probably tell stories about moments in labor that we find so powerful all night. Um, but I had one client who is a very modern woman, very logical. She's a mathematician. She'd had her first unmedicated and wanted to do her second at home. And <laughs> her first had gone pretty smoothly um, fairly quickly at the end. And so I told her a whole labor, don't, please don't be in denial. Please don't be in denial <laughs> when it comes down to labor. Like don't think about inconveniencing me or how it's hard for me. It's the middle of the night or whatever. Like, please don't think about that. Cause I know you're going to, but I want you to remember that I told you not to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then call me. And so she did and was like, I'm pretty sure this is it. They're like every five, but they're getting pretty big. Like, I don't know, do you want to come? And it was like, yes, you feel like, especially when you've had a fast labor before. Yes, I'll come. So I come and I'm rubbing her back. And when I get there, they kind of pick up a notch and just vocalizing really well. And I'm just like, I think I feel a lot of momentum. She was like, I don't know. And like, <laughs> I think we should call the midwife. Like, she wants to be here on active labor. And I feel like this is active labor. She's like, I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, well, I'm going to call her and we can just talk to her and let her know what's going on. Because she had not contacted her midwife at mm -hmm. all at this point. Wow. And so we call her and I said, hey, we're laboring here. I'm with this client. And the wife goes, I'll be right there and hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> the one that has, has fast birds. <laughs> the one that has, oh, the one that has fast birds She's laboring. Like, I'll be right there. <laughs> and I was like, oh. 
<laughs> she was, it was really cute. She's like, oh, okay. And then she, I'll never forget. She's on her, she was like leaning over her bed. And then she's like, I think I'm going to move and go to the bathroom. And she starts crawling wow. towards the bathroom. Yeah. And I was just like, girl, I think we're very close. Like yeah. the not wanting to stand up. Right. It's my just baby just, like my baby out. might fall out feeling. <laughs> and But you don't know, know that. Yeah. But there's this feeling of like, if I get up, that sounds really uncomfortable because it's really big down there and my baby might fall out. So we only made it like a little bit and then she got in her tub and had a baby. But it was really cool to see her kind of like intuitively, like I'm not getting up. And even, but also have that back of her mind logic. Like it can't be time yet. Yeah. And so um, one of my other things I want to talk today about a little bit um, is the body, heart, and mind. So there's really cool research that I've been like nerding out about lately that talks about how we used to think all caught, like that our brain was the only brain of our body. But our heart is actually another brain, like another central part of our body that also coordinates things and has its own nervous system, as you will, hmm. and our gut as well. Yeah. That the brain's not just located the brain or like what makes our body tick, um, but that our heart has a lot more function in like our emotion and other things than we'd previously known. And same with our gut, that a lot of our nervous system and memory is actually stored in our gut. Um, so remembering that like there are certain parts of preparation and birth that each of these three systems can help us with. Birth preparation, of course, is very helpful in the mind that we can learn, unlearn a lot of things, actually. Right. <laughs> that a lot of birth prep is unlearning. Amen. Um, and then in our heart, a lot of it is kind of allowing ourselves to feel and connect, to connect with our community, to allow ourselves to have important conversations with people so we're on the same page. And these things will come up. Like, if you are open, there you're heart and your mind and your gut will all send you little like this needs to be done this needs to be done um and if you follow them it's really cool how like they'll kind of come up one after the other I've experienced this client sometimes like this what's on your mind like right now like what's kind of bothering you and then yes. the next meeting like what's on your mind like right now what's the invitation mm-hmm. um and then your gut is your intuition which is really cool because um that's always been what we've used like you say it's a gut feeling or yeah. Like the gut is where we've kind of talked about our intuition back into like ancient medicine, but only now are they realizing that many of like our memory, like connection, cognition goes on in our gut. That the actual like logic of like, oh, I'm going to weigh this versus this versus that. And this is like the quick gut reaction. Yeah. That there's actually like cognition that goes on That's so down cool. there. So cool. Yeah. And, um, it, you can nerd out about it if you want to go Google it. It's the coolest thing ever. I've been reading a lot into it. But that there, there's three different ways we can connect with ourselves and three different ways we can think, how am I, how am I involving my mind in my labor prep? Um, I'm learning mindfulness to help me get out of my mind because most of us live there yeah. and we're not used to being in our heart very often. Like our heart's yeah. more of like our emotions take us over. Or in our gut. Or in our gut. In our bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like our hearts will maybe take us over and emotion sometimes feels overwhelming. Like I just got, I'm just so sad and I don't know why. Or I suddenly had this outbreak of emotion because the heart's trying to take some back, right? It's like, come be with me. Come be in your heart for a minute. And your heart will teach you things about who, who can I connect more with through this? How can I connect with my partner and my baby? How can I connect with my support system? What are some things I've been storing that have to be moved through? And then your gut is a very important one that is so powerful. And I feel like it's often because of this princess story that we have, the one we're the least connected with. Because the gut is the one that's going to help us to figure out what's right in our individual situation. 
versus maybe this general thing we've heard. And that's my other beef <laughs> with like evidence-based things is I think it's important to know where the trend is, but understanding that it's just that. It's a median. It's one piece. It's one, And they, we, there may be other factors and yeah. other variables that we don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's good to understand like the general trends, but it's also important to understand that that may not be relevant for you. Right. That what is the median trend in most people yeah. could be absolutely wrong for you and your situation. And that's why it's important to listen to that. If you have a doctor's appointment and you just feel so icky, mm-hmm. like it's just something very wrong. It doesn't feel right. Like that's your gut screaming at you. Yeah. Like that icky feeling is the gut saying red flag. And even if they're being nice about it or you can't explain to yourself why. It's almost like a different kind of evidence. You know, it may be an underrated one because mm-hmm. we think that logic leads us to all truth mm-hmm. and that that's where we get evidence. But I also think that there is an evidence that the body holds. And it's like, it is evident to me mm-hmm. that that is not the step I'm going to take or the choice I'm going to make, right? Yes, totally. So it's a different way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. That's why we put so much stock in logic and cognition and like that yeah. mental side of it that we no longer, like how real is it? When you have that feeling, no one's putting it into you. That right. is a real lived experience that you're having in your body, in your unique situation. And that is real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is true. It is not made up. It's not in your head. Yeah. It is an actual reaction of your body, which is incredibly smart. Your body's an amazing organism and it's got so many fail safes and so many things in it to help you and to let you know, but we're not in our culture very good at speaking that language. Or taking it seriously. I feel like it gets kind of like pupud all the time. It does. Yeah, in, in my birth class, we, we frame this conversation through the lens of brainwaves in the Western language and consciousness in the Eastern language. And I think what you're describing is beta brainwaves. This mm-hmm. is what we would say is empiricism. Like, this is where we can have scientific factual knowledge And it is so highly revered here in the West. This is what we tout as like enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty cool to understand that Eastern cultures have very ancient texts that were talking about brainwaves in their own language long before we had instruments to measure it. And they called it levels of consciousness. And it fascinatingly and paradoxically contradicts what we have come to believe as enlightenment mm-hmm. because their version of, of uh, beta brainwaves is what they call the state of illusion. And they say that we are so caught up in our ego. We're caught up in, in the realm of time. Mm-hmm. We're caught up in the realm of, of this like false paradigm yeah. that we can't know what truth is. Yeah. And you'll start to see them like go the opposite direction. And so the lowest brainwave that we talk about in the, in the birth course is delta brainwaves. And, and that's a brainwave that we only emit when we're sleeping in our deepest sleep. And so in our Western world, we would think there's nothing, there's no truth to be found in delta brainwaves. Like you're mm-hmm. in such a deep sleep. How can you possibly know what is real? Mm-hmm. And yet in the yogi language, they would say that that is when you actually have left the illusion of life, you've, you're out of the ego state 
And, and monks that have been practicing meditation their whole lives have learned how to create delta brainwaves even in a wakeful state mm. and enter this realm of enlightenment. So I don't come at this that one is right and one is wrong. But I do love how East and West complete each other mm-hmm. and show us that there's always two sides to this coin. And so I actually don't think beta brainwaves are bad or evil. Mm-hmm. I love scientific knowledge. I love em- empiricism. But I think it's super, super important to put it in its proper place, like you're saying here. And so we even give examples and we, we brainstorm together, which is a very beta thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. And we say, what place does beta brainwaves have in a really healthy, beautiful birth? A lot of times it's early labor. It's like, that's when you are doing a lot of logical thinking stuff. It's like, where's my checklist? Um, mm-hmm. Who's taking care of my dogs? Did we pack everything we need for the hospital bag? Yeah. It's very to do, to do, to do. Mm-hmm. And it's so healthy and so good to be in your head for a little while, to make sure you've got your ducks in a row. I don't think that's a bad place to be in early labor, right? Oh. But what happens, Katie, if we try to move into transition, but you, you are forcing yourself to stay in your head and you're trying so hard to be logical and rational and your body is just trying to get this baby here then it can become a problem. Yes. Right? Yeah. I like to think of it as like, I like the idea of finding where they belong because I think that our gut and us, we do need to gather information to make a gut decision. Like your gut decision is this body is an amazing supercomputer that takes everything it knows about itself and what it's learned and then it chooses what's best for you, right? It'll tell you kind of your intuitional answer. But without gathered information from outside, then it would not have as much to make as good of a decision. Yeah. So it's like we need that outside. But when we give the power to the outside rather than the power to ourselves, Mm. that's also where it becomes a problem where we think this information we're gathering, that therein lies our answer. Yeah. But we'd understand that's gathering information and weighing, but inside of us lies our answer. And that may be different than every single other person's and it's good that way. I like that. And their answers, it also brings us to the level of like non-comparison and just peace. Like I think it's so peaceful just to be like, they chose this opposite thing of me because that, and that can be right for them. You know what I mean? Like what they did can be perfect for them rather than saying everybody should have a home birth. Home birth's the best, home birth's number one, Mm -hmm. home birth's where if everybody knew what I knew, Everybody would, every single person would have a Or the opposite, or my baby almost died, and if I hadn't been in the hospital, I don't know what would have happened, and therefore, everyone should give birth in the hospital. It is insane and crazy and unsafe to do otherwise. Yeah. And when we get this level of, I, there probably are things I don't understand, or things about her body and her situation that have led her that way, Yeah. that is good for her. Or and to just approach it with curiosity and be like, wow, isn't it amazing that we can have such vast and various experiences mm-hmm. and all of them are okay. Yep. Because I've seen, I've had clients tell me their traumatic birth stories from every phase of birth. I've had traumatic home birth stories. I've had traumatic hospital birth cesareans. Yeah. I've also had beautiful, empowered, proud stories. Of all of those. Of all of those things as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, like you said, has to do with our perception, our own embodiment, and I understanding and owning so that's the mind right and the gut understanding and owning our experience Mm. um can be very very powerful 
Thank you for joining us as we step into darkness, knowing we will find light.